what I'm trying to say, okay? <laughs> and so I had prepared a sermon series, you know, through, um, you know, the, a good portion of the book of Acts coming up into Father's Day, and then last week, you know, I kind of jettisoned that off in another direction because it just wasn't feeling like that's what the Lord had for us last week, and I didn't feel like it was what the Lord had for us this week, so um, I, we're, we're calling another audible this week. There's this story in Luke chapter 19, and I don't know if you grew up in church or not. I think at one time I tried to sing this song for you, this little kid song about Zacchaeus, and y'all laughed at me because like half of you or like three quarters of you didn't know it, but do you, do, do you know the song about Zacchaeus? The wee little man? the wee little man song, and he climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see, right? And uh, we did do the, the finger motions, and as the Savior passed that way, he looked up in the tree and he said, hey, Zacchaeus, you come down from going to your house today, right? And that's, that's, the, that's, the, that's the story. In Luke chapter 19, we see the story of this guy, uh, this guy named Zacchaeus, and so if you have your scripture, open up to Luke 19. If you don't, there, um, it should be on your screen for you. There are some copies of the scripture in your seats. There is also on the Conduit Ministries app, there's a, a tab for a Bible that you can uh, go to Luke chapter 19. Now, I'm reading out of the NIV version. Luke 19, 1 through 10. Short little story, big impact. Okay. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through, and a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. <clears throat> he wanted to see who Jesus was, but being a short man, he could not. I got you, bro. Yeah feel you in that one. Because of the crowd, he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree so that he could climb up in it and see Jesus since he was coming that way. And when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. And so he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anyone out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today, salvation has come to this house. May it be so here as well, Lord. Because this man, too, is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save that which was lost. Okay, so, the, the scripture begins by noting that Jesus was really just passing through passing through the area, right? It, it doesn't seem as though the, the intention of Jesus was to come into Jericho 
and to, to make camp there and to evangelize the area and to set up a ministry headquarters, right? And to really, you know, plug down roots in the area. He, he entered Jericho but was just passing through, and that's what the scripture says, right? Entered Jericho and was passing through, right? So we take a hard stop here, right? Um, because I, I, don't, I don't know what your, how your mind works, how your calendar works, how your schedule works, um, but I generally, I generally see interruptions to the flow of my day as unwanted, right? Like I got a calendar, right? Like I, I got a schedule. I got a list of things that I, that I got to do, um, and like I, I live by the calendar in my phone, you know, it's the only way that I can keep things straight. And when something in my schedule goes like haywire, um, it can throw off, honestly, it can throw off my entire day. And it can throw off not just like my, the, the calendar, the schedule of my day, but it throws me off emotionally. And it throws me off mentally, and it throws me off spiritually. And I'm, full disclosure, asking the Lord to heal me of right that, right? Because holy distractions and interruptions are happening all the time around us. Being able to see and embrace those moments are really important for us to see how God is working around us and among us. But, but suffice it to say, I don't, if you're anything like me, um, if, I was, if I had to pass through an area without, without much intentionality about having stayed there at the get-go, the prospect of rerouting my plans or my, my, my calendar in order to interact with or deal with this one person would not have been something that I've been really, like, excited or keen to do. Uh, but it doesn't seem, uh, thank goodness, Jesus is nothing like me, right? Um, it doesn't seem that Jesus was thrown off by this at all. In fact, um, I would go so far as to say that Jesus walked around looking to be interrupted by the leading of the Holy Spirit so that he could, like, intersect those who needed hope. Um, and I don't know if you, but, but what I see in Zacchaeus' story is um, I see a man who likely felt like a burden and an interruption and an unwanted presence in everyone's life. I mean, he was pretty much, I mean, uh, I mean, tradition holds. You, you say now that you work for the IRS, like, mm, sorry about your luck. Sorry about you having no friends, right? And it would be the same then as well, right? This guy was hired by the Roman um, Empire to collect taxes from, um, from the Jewish people, right? And so you can imagine that he was not super well-liked, did not have a whole lot of friends, was probably kept 
generally on the outskirts of the popular and social uh, circles. Um, listen, I, I want you to know this this morning. I want you to hear this loud and clear. You are not an interruption to Jesus. Neither, neither are you an inconvenience to Jesus. While, while those around you may be embarrassed by you, while you may feel as though you're an embarrassment or, or that um, a disappointment or an inconvenience or, or hardly noticed to the world around you, you are not an embarrassment to Jesus. You are not an inconvenience to Jesus. Jesus is not ashamed of you in any way, shape, or form. In fact, um, Jesus, as we'll see here, goes, is going to and will continue to go out of his way to draw the circle wider so that those who have been pushed to the outskirts become the center. Okay? Well, what happens here in the story? Well, Jesus just is passing through the area, and Zacchaeus... Um, maybe, maybe the crowd intrigued him, or Jesus' reputation preceded him, right? But Zacchaeus wanted to be able to see Jesus as he passed by. So he ran, I'm assuming, to the nearest tree, climbed up in it um, so he could see. It's maybe funny, okay? Because he, he must have been super, really short. Well, we don't really know how short he was, um, but I, I will say that I, I think it speaks symbolically to Zacchaeus' um, relationship or desired relationship with Jesus as much as it speaks to his, like, physical stature. Because when I read that Zacchaeus ran ahead to climb up in a sycamore tree to be able to see Jesus, I don't read it as, hey man, dude was just short and everyone else was tall and he couldn't see him, so he was just trying to get up in, tr in a tree. I don't buy it. And what it feels like to me is that, is that Zacchaeus was, um, he wanted to see Jesus, but really only from a distance. He had heard the stories, right? He had, the reputation had proceeded, but, but he was more interested at, at viewing Jesus from the safety of his own boundaries up in the tree, than he was for pushing through the crowd to getting right in front of him to making sure that he could see him. Now, I don't know about you, but there have been real stark situations in my life, right, where, where I was all about Jesus from a safe distance away. You know, like, wow, yeah, awesome guy. You know, like, want to follow him. Going to follow him from back here, right? Back here or, or up here. Um, I hide behind my calling even. Right? I hide behind your, I'm, I'm a pastor. I follow Jesus. Now, bro, you can just look at Jesus from a long ways away. Okay? 
and you can see him, it's different, right, than, than encountering him. See, it always just seems a little safer to be intrigued by Jesus, to be enamored with him, to see him as a positive role model, a spiritual figure, to see him as just a uh, kind of unspecific God figure that we refer to. But Jesus, listen, Jesus, Jesus doesn't play the intrigue game. Jesus is not satisfied with us simply being intrigued with him like we'd be intrigued by a good story, like a good movie, like a good screenplay. Jesus is not satisfied with intrigue. Jesus desires an encounter. He wants to be face-to-face. He wants to be hand-to-hand. He wants to be person-to-person, not a safe distance away where you can keep him at arm's length while you're trying to figure out what parts of him you will accept and what parts of him you will keep away. But, but he's going to walk right up to the base of the tree that you're hiding in and say, hey, look, you don't scare me. I'm not afraid of you. I'm not intimidated by you. And that's why, why Jesus is willing to um, essentially interrupt his whole calendar, his whole schedule, his proverbial day to push through the crowd, to notice the man way off at a safe distance and go to the base of that tree. Because Zacchaeus probably, like we said, had guilt, had shame, was full of the condemnation of others, the disdain of others, the unwillingness of others to see him. Listen, church, really, really, really important here, okay? We must, as as those who follow Jesus, right? We must be, we must be um, unwilling to be affected by the opinions of, of others regarding those on the outside. There is an opinion of those out here, right? And you, the proverbial out here, you know where the proverbial out here is, and it's going to be different for you than it is for everyone, right? But it's out here. And there's a narrative about them out here, right? There's a story that the world tells us. There is a narrative that the enemy whispers. And we must be ruthlessly unaffected by the story that the world tells us about those who are broken and needing the love of Jesus. We must be unwilling to accept the narrative that there are a people that should be stayed away from When Jesus walks to the base of the tree and calls down the most one of the most condemned and hated people and says, Hey, not only do I want to encounter you today, but I'm spending my day with you. In fact, take me to your house. Let me see where you live. I want to spend the day with you. 
Uh, we see, of course, or we're going to see here in just a few minutes, that Jesus' response to this man, to Zacchaeus, his, like, his um, attitude towards him, is not one that's like super widely encouraged by um, the crowd that day. Okay? Um, but the reality is, is yeah, Jesus came up to the base of the tree. He looked up at Zacchaeus. He said, you know, from the song, Zacchaeus, you come down, for I'm going to your house today. And all I hear, when I hear these words of Jesus, when I read these words of Jesus, is Zacchaeus, it's time to stop hiding. It's, it's time to stop watching from a distance. It's time to stop with just like the intrigue of a relationship with me. It's, it's, it's time, it's time to, to be done with that. You, your story... Your story doesn't scare Jesus. Your, your story um, does not make Jesus take a diff, like a wide berth around you. Whew. That guy. Good thing he's in the tree. Don't want nothing to do with him. Right? Jesus is like the guy at the party that you don't want to talk to, but he locks eyes with you from across the room, and you try to hide in the crowd, and you try to play on your phone, right? And like, uh, I'm busy taking a phone call, um, and, and he won't, like, he lo- you, know, you know what I'm talking about, don't you? The person that you try to hide from, Right? And what Jesus wants, wants you to know this morning is that your story doesn't scare him. Your background doesn't scare him. What you did last night doesn't scare him. What you did last year doesn't scare him. What you're planning to do when you go home today, right, uh, it does not scare him. And it does not stop him from wanting to be with you in those moments. Right? You, um, you, cannot, uh, you cannot chase Jesus away with how evil you are or how evil you think you are any more that any more than you can attract him by how good you are okay neither of those things work so what is interesting here in this story is the way that Zacchaeus responds to the call of Jesus when Jesus tells him, like, hey, I want to spend the day with you. Because before we get this sense of Zacchaeus being timid and and scared and uh, maybe shameful or hiding, and Jesus says, Zacchaeus, I want you to come down. You're going to spend the day with me. And what is um, Zacchaeus' response is that it says he responds with gladness. He, he welcomes Jesus with gladness. Where does it say that? It does say that, right? Zacchaeus, come down immediately, so I must stay at your house today. Verse 6. So he came down at once and welcomed him, welcomed him 
gladly. Listen, when you're willing to step out of your hiding place, out of just your relationship of intrigue with Jesus, and receive an encounter with Jesus, um, you know what immediately happens when we enter the real presence of Jesus? Every bit of shame and condemnation that we feel turns to joy. That, that, that in the very presence of the light of the world, the, 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 the darkness that has been on us begins to melt off, to slough off our shoulders, right? Because Zacchaeus went from a man hiding and only wanting intrigue, right, to uh, an invitation from Jesus that left him in a state of joyfulness and welcoming this man that he was intrigued with but not wanting to follow. Of course, this caused an uproar with the people. Verse 7, all the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of of a sinner. Well, how dare he? How dare he? Um, I want you to listen, and I want, I want this to be super clear about my heart for you and my love for you, okay? But, but you need to hear this, right? Um, the love of Jesus feels uncomfortable and too free for those of us who are living with a spirit of pride and um, religious superiority. So when there is a when there is an opportunity to express the, the grace of Jesus Christ, the love of Jesus Christ, the, the drawing of Jesus Christ into a relationship with a, with a person, okay, whom God has created and who is, who is broken, if that if that feels icky to you, right? If that feels, if that feels too close, we, we have some work to do with Jesus, okay? Because if we, if we stand in the midst of the crowd that mutters, man, why, like, why is Jesus eating and spending time with that, with that sinner? Jesus is already walking away with that man, with that woman, with that child, with that family. Jesus is well on his way to lunch with them already. Well, we're standing way back here saying how dangerous of a situation that is. And man, we just... Listen, if the love of Jesus to other people feels uncomfortable to you, right... We need to ask Jesus, what, what in our heart, Lord, do you need to sanctify and remove? That there is, that there is no obstacle there to, 
to an incarnation of, of your love to others. Because what we see in the what we see in the example here or in the story is that is that just the love that Jesus shows this man, right? Just like going against the grain of where the world has pushed Zacchaeus and Jesus like floating upstream or paddling upstream against this causes a monumental shift in Zacchaeus's both his heart and his conduct, his behavior. What is, the, what is the reply or the response of Zacchaeus at the moment of like being encountered with the grace of Jesus? It's repentance. Zacchaeus doesn't walk away from the situation and be like, yeah, you know, that Jesus, he's a nice guy. He's a good guy. Said hi to me when no one else would. Good guy. Yeah. No, it's like, encounter with Jesus. Right? And then Zacchaeus is like, Lord. Oh my gosh, Lord. Paraphrasing, of course, here. What have I done? What have I done? Okay, look, look, look. Everything that I've taken, I'm going to give it back. Not only am I going to give it back, but I'm going to go so above and beyond to giving it back, like multiply what I'm giving it back, right? Look, Lord, here and now, I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anyone out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. You know what we call that in the spiritual world? Repentance, right? Where he was going this direction, he had an encounter with Jesus, and whoop! Now he's going in this direction, full 180 turn, right? Not because Jesus wagged the spiritual finger of you're doing all of these bad things and you need to do all of these good things, but because when the rest of the world was saying you're not good enough to be around us, Jesus said, I want to spend my day with you. And then he had to remind both him and the rest of the crowd there that this was not just some special occasion where Jesus was feeling extra graceful or extra loving or extra kind or there was something about Zacchaeus that was different than the rest, but that, but that this attitude, this... Um, this relationship that Jesus had with Zacchaeus was rooted in the very nature and purpose and character of who Jesus was. This was not, this was not abnormal. This was like every day, this is the reason that I exist. The Son of Man came to seek and save that which was lost. Hello? Hello? It's not like an extra thing that we get to do here and there. It is the thing. The thing to seek and to save that, those that are lost.
I've spoken about this, like, I've spoken to this many times before. And every time I do, I get someone that argues with me about it. Um, and I'm going to say it again, and again, and again, and again, and again, and again, until we get it, okay? Because I get and understand, 100% understand the sentiment. When we say, you know why I like conduit? Because we just have a bunch of good people here, right? Just like nice, good families, people, like respectable, like honest, and hard work, good, you know, good, good people. There ain't nothing good about us, folks. There ain't nothing good about us. Do not believe, do not believe the lie that we are all basically good people who just need a little bit of Jesus adjustment. We are not basically good needing just a little Jesus adjustment. We are holy and fully broken, and we need a full-scale Savior. There is, there is nothing that is good in us except Jesus. That's it. Every, every bit of me left to my own devices is dark and harmful and broken and sin-sick, leading me to an eternity without my God and Savior. And the only thing that becomes good in me is not me, but the Spirit of Jesus in me. And so when Jesus says, I came to seek and save that or those who were lost, he's not talking about those lost people. He's talking about you. You are lost. You are living in darkness. You are living under the weight of shame and condemnation and guilt and sin and death. And through the grace of the Father, through faith in Jesus Christ, Jesus has come to save you. To extinguish darkness with the presence of his light. To bring you into a holy and eternal communion with God the Father. Through faith in his Son, by filling you with his spirit. Listen, we are not basically good people. We are wholly bad. Jesus is making us. Jesus isn't even making us good. Okay? Like, no, Jesus is making us like him. Right? It's not our own goodness that we're that we're manufacturing, right? We're, we're going to be gooder and gooder and gooder. 
and better and better and better. And, and eventually our, we're just going to keep doing enough right things, right? Right? No, no, no. No, Jesus is making you more like himself because there is no amount of good things that you and I can do. But thanks be to God for the indescribable gift of Jesus Christ that saves us from our darkness, that saves us from our brokenness, that saves us from our sin, and that plants us in a community where we can look at each other and be like, you're broken, but I love you, and you're broken, but I love you, and you're broken, but I love you, and you're broken, but I love you, right? And I'm broken, but you love me. And Jesus is changing me, and Jesus is changing you, and Jesus is changing us, and, and, then, and then tomorrow there may be a person that's walking through the door that Jesus hasn't started changing them yet, but, but we're going to tell them, hey, Jesus can change you, because Jesus changed me. And then we're going to watch Jesus change him. Why? Because the Son of Man came to seek and save those who were lost, not to just make bad people good. Ultimately, that's what we have been celebrating the last, last week, what we're going to be celebrating this week, what we're going to be celebrating next week, what we're going to be celebrating every week, right? By faith, people continuing to come to faith in Jesus Christ, not having all of the answer, right? Oh my gosh, I talked to so many people about this this week, right? About the reality of like the continuum of my relationship with Jesus and how well I, I really wanted to be baptized last week, but I just felt like, man, I just didn't know enough and felt like maybe I just needed a little bit more time and um, man, I'm really struggling with, it's really struggling with belief here and I'm really still struggling with doubt over here, and I'm just not sure that, like, I want to, like, I'm, I'm just not sure that I, I'm just not sure. Like, well, hey, let me tell you what, Jesus is sure about you, right? Like, he wants you. He, he wants you. You know? And, and just like we, we read uh, in the Gospel of Mark last week, that the healing, healing came to the man and his son, even in the expression of his lack of belief, right? I do believe, Jesus, but help me with my unbelief. And Jesus is like, well, I'll tell you what, when you believe perfectly, and when you can um, check all of the correct theological boxes, right, when you line up with me uh, politically, theologically, socially, come on back, right, and we'll get you healed. Right? Jesus is like, you're struggling with belief. Okay, well, we'll borrow some of my belief as I heal you from your disbelief. And then go and walk in the sureness of my goodness in your life. All right? And so, and so baptism is not, is not the culmination of the theological test that you take where you've gotten all the answers right, so now you have earned the right to get in the cleansing waters of the Holy Spirit. That is blasphemy, okay? 
Baptism is a moment where you say, I am, I am sick of living in my old self. I am, I am um, powerless to change my own eternal condition. And I surrender my life, my heart, my soul, all that I am to you, Jesus. Would you be my Lord? Would you make me more like you? And guess what? I want to tell everyone that that's my decision. That's what baptism is. And if you're anything like me, Jesus is continuing to sanctify my life every day, every moment, every conversation, right? I have not arrived spiritually anywhere. I will not arrive at any place until I, like, slide into heaven by the skin of my teeth, okay? So if you're still sitting in this place this morning being like, well, yeah, but she's not Christian enough yet. I don't even know what that means. Okay? I don't even know what that means. What I do know, right, is that the, if the Holy Spirit of God is calling you to himself, he will not stop chasing you until you turn around. Right? And don't think you're going to run away and climb up a tree and that Jesus isn't going to find you. That you're going to hide behind your work. That you're going to hide behind your family. That you're going to hide behind your religious practices. That you're going to hide behind your doubt. That you're going to hide, 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 hide. Because he's going to find you in that tree. He's going to find you. Okay? If you hear the voice of of the Lord. Do not harden your heart. Turn to Him this morning to experience freedom, to experience life, to experience salvation from everything that you've been running from your whole life, thinking, I just need to do a little bit more, a little bit harder, a little bit better, just need to be an inch more good here. An inch more good there. Like I said, Jesus doesn't want to make you good. He doesn't want to make you better. He wants to make you like himself. And when we surrender ourselves to his process of renewing us from the inside out, everything that we have been powerless to defeat on our own, our entire lives, will be defeated through him. Again, this morning, like I said, we have several people that are going to be baptized that are ready to, again, make that commitment and make that step, okay? Um, so, as I explained last week, I'm going to explain this week again. In a moment, I'm going to call the worship team back up, okay? They are going to lead us in worship again. If you have, a, if you have children in Conduit Kids... Um, this is like a, baptism is like a one generation thing, all right? It's not like a, um, only the uh, adults do it type of thing, right? It's a thing that the whole community does to witness the act of someone, like, proclaiming their faith, right? So in a moment, if you have kids, I would love for you to go and get them and bring them back in, right? 
so that they can they can be a part of um, they can be a part of um, the baptism baptism celebration. All right. Those of you who are, you already know you're being baptized this morning can go get yourself changed and meet me in the back also when we start. Um, if everyone listening, all eyes and ears. Yes, I'm talking to you. This person. You, that one person who was like, I, I think the Lord's calling me to make this step today, but I am super, super scared. All right? We are here with you. We love you. You are safe here. Not only that, but we came prepared and we have Shorts and t-shirts in the back for you. All right? And you can put those on. And we have towels for you as well. And if you want to be baptized this week, if you are ready to come forward and say, this is my decision, this is, I, I am surrendering this morning to life in Jesus, no longer under my own strength or power, but under his and only his, then i got great news for you. We're ready for you. We've been praying for you. We have been praying for you. Okay? Um, and then when we're ready and everyone's back there, we'll have you all gather around like we did last week. If you weren't here last week, gather around. Um, and um, we'll do this. Okay, let me... We'll build a catwalk. We'll build a catwalk. Yeah, we'll build a balcony. All right? Um, all right, let me pray for us as the worship team comes back up. Uh, those, um, those getting kids or getting changed can be excused at your convenience, all right? If you do need the clothes to be baptized, they're in the tote in the back. Heavenly Father, we, uh, we worship you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for the way that you, are, your Holy Spirit is drawing men, women, and children to the cross of Jesus. Lord, forgive us for the times where we have been amongst the crowd that has muttered in disapproval when sinners have been brought into community. Lord, forgive us for those times. Lord, allow us to be changed and renewed in our spirits. Lord, if you are calling us this morning to make a profession of faith and baptism. Lord, we pray for your courage. We pray for your boldness. Lord, we, we do not desire to see you as a measure of intrigue, Lord, or see you from far off, but to encounter you. 
And so, Lord, maybe we have been baptized before. Maybe we have surrendered our lives to Jesus at some other point. But maybe for whatever reason, we have been um, viewing Jesus from the 20,000-foot view, uh, looking at him through binoculars, afraid of what it might mean for our lives if um, we no longer settled just for intrigue and actually uh, chased an encounter with you. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would destroy all fear in this room. Lord, that any bit of fear would be replaced by your love. Lord, that any bit of shame, Lord, any bit of condemnation, Lord, in the name of Jesus, um, would be stuck to the cross that Jesus died on and would stay there. Lord, that we would not carry it with us when we left this place, Lord, that, but that we would be encountered um, not just by the person of Jesus, but by the deep love of God that extends itself to us in grace, mercy, and forgiveness. And so, Lord, maybe what you're calling us to do this morning is not to be baptized for the first time, but to remember our first baptism. Remember the time that you have called us. Remember the time that we have surrendered our lives. And to rededicate, Lord, that surrender to you. Let the waters of baptism that we see others crawling in and out of this morning, Lord, be a symbol for our own resurrection to new life in Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen.